To hit a target in this manner is to exercise the inner strength. Indeed, there are two kinds of strength. The outer strength is obvious. It fades with age and succumbs to sickness. Then there is the chi, the inner strength. Everyone possesses it too. But it is indeed much more difficult to develop. Success is a an evolving thing. Um, but, you know, society would tell you that it's a measurement of start to completion on something. And I don't even think it's a monetary thing, but it's kind of a feeling of success, a feeling of accomplishing what you've, what you've set out to do. Or mine, mine's, when I say evolving, it just seems like it's always... I wouldn't say it's not enough. Everything I do, you know, there's a purpose behind, but it, it's striving for something and accomplishing something I think is, to me, successful, whether it made money or not. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Avi Ohm Experience. This podcast being the number one rated spiritual podcast on iTunes. I want to thank every single one of you who continue to leave reviews and your feedback. It's super awesome. So once again, thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. So, but let's get right into this conversation. This is a two part conversation that we have with Andrew. And for those of you who don't know, Andrew is the person that we are leasing um, our studio from but not only that but he himself is a entrepreneur so we kind of bring them both together the spiritual insight of what it means to you know have a business but then going through it with a with a certain type of awareness bringing consciousness elevating so these are the podcasts that are also going to be going out to mr gary v so without further ado these two episodes are going to be going out to him and of course they're all going out to you so sit back and enjoy this week's Avion Experience. So how would you say define success, love? Success is an evolution of the soul um, to be in its grandest version at any moment, at any time. Not necessarily from a monetary standpoint, but from a soul's person a soul's perspective standpoint what's going on love? See, it's fun already oh, sorry more editing to do <laughs> it's uh, limit i'm i'm limiting the edits so this is gonna go in just like this oh no it's not yes oh lord to a week so it's <laughs> edits are gonna get less and less in order for us to do it how you doing doing great how are you i'm doing good what's going on Busy day as usual. You know, I think that that's the repeated pattern that starts these podcasts. You say, how are you doing, love? And I say, great, but busy, but grateful. But it's good to be that. You know, it's, it's you know, and I, I don't know if I mentioned this to you, and I might have mentioned it to you, but one of the things I find fascinating, and so I'm coming to the awareness, every morning I'm waking up, I'm thankful that I'm, I'm waking up, right? And we talked about that. Yes. But what's fascinating, too, is that I've come to the understanding that Every day I wake up, I know that I'm one day closer to leaving the earth. 
It's an interesting perspective. And so I ask myself in the morning, what can I do that's important, you know? And I know that sometimes I do things throughout the day that don't have any importance. But then I go to, but before I go to bed, I really, I've, I've been in this zone lately, I would say within the last maybe week and a half, two weeks that I've been kind of in this place of asking that and knowing that I wake up and I'm thankful, but I also know that I'm one day closer. To going back home. Right. Interesting. You know, I have not had that thought or had that awareness. Um, however, I've been extra, extra grateful to the standpoint. Maybe it's the time of year. Maybe, maybe not. Um, maybe it's that there's so many beautiful things happening for us. Um, meeting so many amazing people that when you see these energies come forth, that you just get flooded. Like for instance, yesterday we had a young boy, um, about six and his dad come in and they were, uh, getting a gift card for, um, his wife, obviously the son's mom, and they'd never been in the studio before. And he just kind of came in and did his thing. And we had all the back jacks set up for meditation and he was just meandering and almost as if like a kid in a candy store. And it was one of the most beautiful things to witness that you see this little soul meander in this gorgeous space and just have a sense of peace and calm come over him so much so that obviously we had Krishna Das, you know, playing in the, as the music um, and his dad said, what is this music? And, um, cause clearly they're probably not listening to Krishna Das. Um, and so, because, and then he joked, he goes, I need, I need to get your playlist to play at home because he's never seen his son so peaceful, but yet so curious at the same time. And, um, he had to try to get him to leave for 10 minutes before he would leave the studio. And we talked about this at Halloween too. We had people come in, kids come in, flip their shoes off, jump on the couch and say, hey, come get me when we're, when we're all done because I'm going to hang out here. And we noticed it at the candle walk. You know, there was a couple of people, obviously not that we're checking in on people, but um, there was this young kid that came in. I would guess he was about 16. And these are males, which is interesting because usually we have a predominant female energy that comes in, but these are males that are now coming in. Um, about 16 years old and he just kept coming and sitting, um, during candle walk. So obviously he was with a group of people and he just kept coming in and sitting for like 15, 20 minutes and then he'd leave and then he'd come back and sit. So clearly he saw this as a safe place or maybe it was just the energy. You know, that's the beauty of what this studio is. It's, it offers an energy that you can't tangibly touch, but you can feel. So there's all these these uh, um, beautiful things that are happening, and I'm so grateful that we get to experience it. And so, and it's all happening in this space. Yes. Avion Studio, and so obviously we have someone with us. He is. And so, why don't you bring him in? Oh my gosh, I'm. You know, I get excited about podcasts, but I'm crazy excited about this one um, because about two years ago, uh, probably two and a half now. Um, I saw, uh, I was in another location here in Flushing and you just meander through town and you just go through town and, and, um, I saw a for rent sign on the building and I made an inquiry, um, to a person, 
via text. I think it was via text or email. I can't remember. Um, and we started communication and about renting the space. And when I came in the space, the, what attracted me to it was the brick and the floors. I knew that the brick and the floors um, was a vision for me at some point. Didn't know what it looked like. Um, but for some reason, the brick and the floors were a, a very much attraction to me. So we had some conversations. Um, financially, I was too, f- we were <laughs> too afraid to make that commitment because I was like, ah, like, what do you do with that? Um, and so obviously I trusted in the divine timing that it wasn't the appropriate time. So then fast forward to um, November 2017 when you and I made our um, our full moon intentions and just opening up to a space that was available uh, that would be a good fit. And then, um, I jumped on Craigslist this time and son of a gun, (laughs) the same building showed up and I was literally pooping my pants. I'm like, Oh my God, Oh my God, I cannot believe this. And then I looked at the posting and, um, he had posted it. Um, this was like on Monday, he'd posted it on a Sunday. Like I totally remember this. And I'm like, Oh my God, he's going to think I'm crazy. Um, and it was the same number because I still had him logged in my phone. And here we are speaking to our amazing landlord, um, Andrew Hall. Thank you for being with us. Oh, thank you for having me. <laughs> like, holy cow. Um, did you, um, when you saw that text come through, did you remember that we had talked like a couple years before? You know, I did remember it. I had a few people interested at the time and, you know, none of them were really coming through or they would want to come take a look at it and not show up. So, and if I'm being honest, I was kind of skeptical, just, you know, oh, this lady again that (laughs) talked to me last year, you know, where's this going to go? So I'm sorry. I felt that. No, (laughs) no, it's totally, it's totally good because, you know, I'm sure you being also in the retail business, you know, you have, um, you know, uh, a couple businesses and obviously Digital Medics was the building that we're in now um, and now is across the parking lot. So, um, you know, in retail, you see fly-by-nights, you see people who are not serious, you see people who are just maybe just talking or just looking and things like that. So, which is where we were, you know, two years ago. I mean, we were serious, but I I didn't, you don't know how serious until, until you make that connection. So, um, so when we came in to visit with you, um, maybe you felt more of an urgency, obviously, because I the first time it was just me, and then this the second time it was with you know Chris too. And um, maybe did you did you and did you feel that we were a little more serious the second time? Yeah, definitely, <laughs> it definitely felt different. And when I mentioned that there was one other person interested, I think you guys reacted a little bit differently. Yeah, too, so. I was like, <laughs> I when we went home, I remember driving home because we were in Grand Blanc at the time, I remember driving home and I'm like, oh my gosh, like how, of course there's someone else interested. <laughs> and then I was like praying like, Andrew, please pick us, like, please pick us. And then we started talking about like Gary V and like entrepreneurship and I'm like, minimalism. Yeah, right. <laughs> so I'm just like, holy cow, like maybe, maybe this guy will totally uh, um, connect with us and it will be like a, a really, a really good gig. Um, but I also think that a meditation studio is a little foreign for flushing. Um, and also what we're doing is a little foreign. We're 
I've said this many times, I think we're ahead of time still. Um, but, you know, yoga was ahead of time, you know, 10 years ago, and now it's on every corner. We feel that that's essentially where this is going to be at some point in the future. But um, we're so glad you picked us. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, when I heard the vision, it was kind of, and, and the plans that you guys had for the space, it was a no-brainer, really. So we we just we had too much space here for the computer repair shop. At one point in time, we did a lot more retail, and it just didn't make sense to have this huge, beautiful space for computer repair. So it it just made a lot of sense to to have you guys here. So one of the things that I want to do though is as, as I'm already I'm going to sidetrack this conversation a little bit because you did mention the uh, minimalism that you were interested in that. So my question is, how are you doing with that? With minimizing your uh, life, if if uh, so, how are you doing with that? You know, I was I was starting to do pretty well. I was starting to do pretty well. Um, started to. That's not. That's yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's it's going to take a turn for for a difference here, but um, but I've you know I'm an entrepreneur, so things come up, opportunities to you know purchase a a lot of computers and and you know flip them, make a few bucks on that. Um, I flipped a house out in Columbiaville and, you know, you end up with things for staging the building and, you know, stuff that you don't leave with the house. And now I've got all that stuff I'm trying to offload. Um, I've gotten into real estate a little bit more heavily and ended up clearing an entire house. You know, I, could, I got the an entire house contents for like 1500 bucks, you know, so now I've got a storage container in my, in my acreage in the back that to, you know, prevent having a couple of storage units here and there I'm paying for monthly. So I've kind of felt like I'm going backwards here lately. You know, it, it's interesting because we can bring this into this conversation when it comes to, you know, simplifying. And then, you, you know, I'm just going to say simplifying instead of minimalizing. But when you're trying to simplify a business, that's, it's, it takes on a different form right. because you have to really look at what's relevant, what's important when you especially when you're having, um, you know, when you're doing a business. How many uh, business ventures are you currently diving uh, down You know, into? it's been, recently it's been a little bit different. Like I had, I had a building in Lapeer that I purchased and it came with a salon. So I was kind of overseeing the management of that, you know, doing a remodel there. Things kind of went south and the girls left and found different um, places to go. So I'm, you know, I'm kind of positive about what's going to happen with that space. You know, somebody's going to come along, it's going to love the way it's set up. And, um, you know, if they don't, I'll, I'll sell the building and figure out the next thing I want to do. Uh, and that's, you know, that's exciting to me. You know, hey, what's the next thing going to be? You know, it's interesting because I was going to ask you that too. Like, what is it that keeps you, you know, uh, going into this? Is it, is it, a, is it an addiction? You know, I mean, some addictions are good. <laughs> People might see it that way. Um, I think it's just the excitement of, you know, what's what's a challenge out there that somebody's experiencing um, that I can take and run with, you know, make a come up with a solution for it that everybody needs that, you know, I can build the software behind it. I can, you know, make a system, put a system in place that's going to make it very efficient. I think that's what's exciting to me, buying a, you know, buying a salon and streamlining, you know, the processes um, the business I had in Arizona, you know, kind of streamlined it a little bit and then ended up selling that. But, you know, I think it's, I, I'd have no fear to purchase a, a business or jump into a business I don't know a lot about because I know about systems and how to make it more efficient. And in doing so, you know, a lot of times it's minimizing, you know, 
making it less complicated. Um, and that's, and that's what I'm trying to do in my personal life. As far as minimalism goes, you know, my house is starting to get cleared out a bit and starting to see, starting to see the walls and, you know, the simplifying of things is, is pretty rewarding. You know, even though I've got all this junk in the storage container in my yard, I'm still feeling like I'm minimizing my personal life, which is helpful. Right. And I, and I think that's important too. I mean, for, even for us, I mean, trying to simplify, you know, our business and trying to not over stress, you know, what it is that we want to deliver. Cause we always want to give some, a good experience to people, but when we're not focused on a certain thing and we have so many points, different points, we're not focusing on the one thing that can give someone an experience, but that comes for us anyway. We're learning in streamlining what's important and what's not. What do you think about that? Yeah, I'm I'm just over here chuckling because um you know Mr. Minimal, minimalism over here who is running this podcast Christopher, um it's uh it's it's a daily venture on the minimalism trip here uh, obviously because we're living upstairs now so um interestingly enough um I find a couple days later where he's cleared some things out that he doesn't tell me he's cleared out, but all of a sudden something's missing. And I'm just like, oh, I mean, it's just like a couple of hangers or something where he's, you know, recycled or something like this. And it's, so it's, he's always, he's always clearing out just is almost like he's a ninja. He's a ninja clearer because he can't stand it. And so I, this is where his addiction has become of clearing out. He's doing really good now because, you know, upstairs, you know, I have my office, you know, up there. And then there's a, a side desk that was supposed to be like a touchdown area that I've essentially taken over because I, I have a lot of projects going on right now. And you need space. You need space to create. So he's he's aware of that. So he's not said anything yet. But I know that I can feel the time crunching where he's going to start picking things up right behind me, which is uh, interesting. But you do need space to create. You need um, space to clear. However, interestingly enough, we noticed, um, I don't know why we were looking at old photos, but anyway, we were looking at photos of the studio um, almost a year ago, and it there were, there were bare walls, you know, there were a lot of things, and that's when you were on this minimalism kick, and I'm like, hey, we need to soften this up a little bit. We need some softness. And then we added clearly the lights and a couch and an area rug. And you even admitted, like, it looks so much better um, with this softness versus stark minimalism. So I, I, I don't, you know, we don't like the word balance because it's, it's pretty much hard to attain. So what I feel, what the studio now offers is is that you can have minimalism but it needs to harmonize with the effect and energy that you want to bring in i find a difference in minimalism like between my personal life at home and in my my stores you know my retail locations and maybe that's how i accomplish some of the minimalism is having those outlets do you guys struggle with that like living upstairs and having it down here where you know maybe in a business you need a little bit more you know like you said to make it warmer um, you need more chairs. You don't need to have 20 or 30 chairs upstairs in your house. Right. Um, do you, do you struggle with that? Like bring stuff down and take stuff up and yes, <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. I, I, we've been doing that. You, and for me anyway, it's, well, I, I, and, and obviously Navy can get into the story. I mean, obviously we're upstairs and people listen to this podcast and people follow us already know we're living upstairs. Best thing that's ever happened because it's just the you know, the ability to kind of just 
you know, have an event at the studio and then just kind of go upstairs instead of getting in the truck and, you know, driving a half hour to Grand Blanc and, and it, it, just that. I mean, it's a lifesaver to be upstairs. But one of the things that I realized, though, is that, you know, it goes back to what you're saying is, you know, you have to kind of look at, you know, what, you, what feels like an embrace for people, you know, and, and for me, you know, I'm okay with, with empty space, right? And, but the reason why I'm okay with it is because I know at a deeper level, and this might get weird, but whatever, I know that at a deeper level, I can, I can gain a lot more wisdom from emptiness, right? And I think this is where I've been kind of focusing my Zen-like ideas that in, in emptiness and space, there's information there, and 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 I need that because I'm so, I my mind is so quickly rattled like squirrel, you know, and I'm, yeah. you know, I'm somewhere else, and um, but I know that for other people, you know, coming here it can't be that, you know, and that's okay. So it's understanding, and honoring because everyone's space is different, you know. So for instance, like one salon is this space, but this other retail may not be this space, you know, and so now you have to put on different caps and so how do you balance all these caps that you have to wear yeah it can be difficult it's uh you know some a lot of people see all the things that i have to deal with and they wonder how i manage the stress and i was listening to one of your other podcasts about stress and i think i'm one of the one of the people that kind of avoids dealing with it <laughs> honestly and it's it's gotten easy yeah i need a meditation <laughs> um but it's gotten a lot easier over the years to you know just know that some things you just can't do anything about, you know, difficult customers, you know, it's just how you let it affect you. And, you know, if like the other day, payroll was delayed um, by a plane in Memphis, maybe because of rain or storm or something. And, you know, at one point I would have freaked out about that. Like all my employees aren't going to get their checks tomorrow on time and I'm going to have to, you know, handwrite them. And, you know, an hour later I get it you know, an update that it's going to be on time. So you, you you can't stress about everything, but, um, it's like I said before, it's systems, putting systems into place, you know, managing the systems that you've put into place. And that helps me to deal with the stress. I'm a, I'm a big risk taker. So, um, I guess that just comes with the territory. Um, but if you, if you don't fail at something like the salon, I feel, you know, sometimes I want to beat myself up that that didn't work out the way I'd hoped it did. Um, but if you, you know, dwell on the failures or if you never fail, you know, you must not be trying hard enough. I don't know who that quotes by, but, um, that's kind of how I feel. So, but, but if you can extract the failure, quote unquote, Mm -hmm. like what did you gain from that? Like what insight did that give you? Um, you know, and I won't get into too many details on what, what went wrong there, but I think some communication could have gone a little bit better. Um, it's just, you know, I've had so many things going on with the flip property and, you know, try to get my own residence done and minimalizing and other opportunities that I jump on that sometimes you just think, oh, it's running, it's running good enough. You know, I don't really need to check in on that or, you know, I can take a little bit longer with the remodel, that type of thing. So you just analyze a little bit more, you know, where you went wrong without dwelling on it too much. But, you know, if I had to take if I had to take a learning experience away from that, it would be communicating with the, the people that are working for you and, you know, having them feel more comfortable with the direction that you're taking. 
I don't think I gave a very good direction of where I was at and people kind of were getting nervous and decided to go somewhere else. So, so just learning from those experiences. Right. It's interesting. I'm having a whole another conversation over here with my little self as, I, as I'm watching and observing this conversation, which is very interesting. I keep looking back to looping back to the risk taker energy. Um, and then I keep on hearing like Gary Vee, you know, cause we have that in common, but, um, it's interesting because we talk about awareness on these podcasts. Clearly you have awareness. Otherwise you wouldn't be a risk taker because if we, if you even pull that back even further, you trust what you can't see, which really goes back into faith. Right. So, so. I, this, this is going to be interesting. We could even do a whole nother topic of actually risk-taking is actually energy of trust because there's a deeper energy that's holding you in order for you to catapult jumping off a cliff and knowing that you can fly. So that goes back to awareness too. That's, I've never made that until just right now, but which I love because, um, you know, there's a risk you know, financially and doing what we're doing here with, you know, I mean, obviously you have to have business in order to sustain, you know, obviously living upstairs and downstairs now and, and then having, taking the risk that this is the right place, um, you know, that we're doing the right thing. And we knew it on a, on a, on a trusting level. Um, and I, and I, I'm not going to say, I think, cause, and I know that when you know something, and it's from a feeling of that trust, then success, which is how we started this conversation, can't not happen. So your risk-taking is actually trust-taking, and your success will happen because of that. Yeah, it's believing in yourself, really. Yeah. yeah. So when you, when you trust, there is no risk. No, there is no risk when you trust. But, that, but like you're saying, when there's never, you know, we see trust as one path and risk as another we we see risk as being scary or not responsible or um fly by night ish you know um that's kind that's maybe that's just my consumption of it but that's how i you know you hear risk taking like especially in financial situations or stock market or high risk low risk yada 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 and it's like you know, when you're playing roulette, yeah, that's what it would be. But if you pull it back from an awareness perspective versus an unawareness perspective, awareness is trust. It's got to be what it is. Yeah, that's pretty interesting. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if we've reached our Gary Vee um, quota yet as far as referring to him. Um, but never, you know, we never I, reach that quota. As far as entrepreneurism goes, it's you know it's not for everybody, and there, there's people that just can't take risks, or you know just get they just get paralyzed when it's time to take a risk or take that next step. And that's that's exciting to me is that I that I can take a risk. Like a lot of my friends think I'm crazy, or maybe not so much now, but they used to say you're crazy, you're you're really doing that, or you know. So it's. I guess that keeps me motivated as well. Like, so was it always like that for you? Yeah, it kind of has been. I mean, I, I've i worked for corporate America for a while in the past and, you know, got sought out by a headhunter to go work for some other larger companies. But I always wanted to work for myself. Like, I wanted however hard I work to have the ability to be rewarded based on, you know, how many hours I put in or what my vision was. 
And um, so I've always been that way. I've been on eBay since the day it started selling, buying and selling Pez dispensers. And, <laughs> you know, it, it makes it challenging to be a, to be a minimalist when you're, when you've got that entrepreneurial spirit, you know, it was awesome to see, I'm going to go back to Gary Vee again, you know, his whole garage sailing thing. I've been doing yes. that forever. Yeah. And it was like, I don't know, it was kind of affirming to me that, you know, I am, I am an entrepreneur. That's kind of how I was born and how I'm wired and. You know, I can always find something and sell it for twice as much. How, what, so what, at what age did it start for you? Do you remember? Oh, like, I would have been 97, so I would have been, man, I'm not good at math, so it's probably good I'm an entrepreneur. Under, under 15 years old? Yeah, I was probably, I was born in 81, so I would have been 16, you know, barely driving. Yeah, you see yeah. that, you know, I always, and, it, and it's a common thing, I, I feel that most entrepreneurs, they start when they're, you know, Always started nine years old, ten years old. You know, Gary Vee talking about lemonade stands, and yeah. obviously you under the paper, age of twenty. Paper routes, yeah. twelve yeah. year old, twelve yeah. years old. And and you know, and and I I was not that at sixteen. I was not thinking. Let me try to make my own business or flip Pez <laughs> dispensers. You know, at sixteen, I was chasing girls. Yeah. That was my thing. <laughs> and so, but that never came to me, which is obviously, I mean, because I don't have an entrepreneur mindset. I don't, you know, I'm, and what I know is only because, you know, I enjoy reading and I enjoy, you know, capturing information of stuff I don't know. Um, AV is more, has that more, you know, drive towards that because for you, it started at a young age too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was, I mean, the awareness started, you know, really young, like three to four um, with, you know, seeing things. Um, but I was playing bank, you know, in the garage through the through the, the, the slide window in the garage, you know, with bicycles and everything, I was playing bank, like at five years old, you know, with currency and, and things like that. So, um, it, it's, but I got caught up in the, you got to do this, you got to do this, you got to do this and you got to do this. You know, I, I got caught in that. It's like, I think it's because that's how you grow up. That's what you see everyone else doing. So, you know, I'm not, I'm not ashamed of that. I needed all that in order to get where I'm at. But I didn't know, and Chris and I joke about this, I didn't know that you didn't have an option not to go to college after high right. school. No, not a lot of people do. And so um, I, it was just you, you graduate, you get, you get good grades, you go to college, you do this, and then you do this. And, and so um, it was just, it was the routine. Now, you know, even going back to Gary Vee, he doesn't even promote school. Um, especially from, you know, an entrepreneurial energy because it, the system is, is tweaking a bit. And so, um, well, clearly, I mean, my degree's in architecture, for goodness sakes, and look what we're doing here. You know, so very educated, but not doing anything with education or with, with that, that beautiful college <laughs> degree. So, it, well, it did help design the studio, you know, so it did help with that. Well, magazines can do that, too. What's that? Magazines can do that too. <laughs> Pinterest can do that we too. Have a, we <laughs> have a cheaper. whole podcast episode on education. If you start getting into that, right? <laughs> well, 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 let's 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 touch that. Just sweep it a little bit. I mean, what are your, you know, because obviously we had for those listening to the podcast, we had Serena on one of the podcasts, and you know, we were curious about her education. You know, what she sure. thought about education, if you heard it or not. Um, and she has an interesting perspective, perhaps maybe similar to. What you might or may not say, but I'm curious to see, like, what's your view on education? You know, I was fortunate. I I stayed home, you know. 
I just, I couldn't learn enough about technology at the time. Like I was, even in high school, I was pretty bored. I wasn't a great student. Um, you know, I was probably a 3.0 grade point average, but I would take my, they, my, I went to Flushing and we didn't have any programming classes and that's what my passion was. So I would take my programming books that I went to Borders and bought, you know, uh, on the weekend and I'd sit in class in government class and I'd read through these programming books and then I'd go home. You weren't allowed to have a tablet or a laptop or whatever in class. I'd go home and sit on the family computer and try to program what I learned, make these little QBasic, um, you know, programs. And so I just, I was on a, a mission to learn that. Um, and so I, I, you know, I went to college and I started to study in computer science and, you know, a lot of the people in the class with me didn't have a lot of like, you know, real world skills when it came to technology, they were just there to learn every single thing that they could possibly learn in a classroom setting. So it was kind of a turnoff to me. It was like, you know, and as I went on, you know, I probably have six years worth of college education, but I don't have a degree to speak for, which has bothered me somewhat. It's always been a personal goal to do it, but I'm not going to go into debt. I'm not going to go, you know, spend the ridiculous dollar amount per course hour to get this degree that really doesn't mean a lot. You know, I've, I've never once looked at one of my employees resumes or anybody that I've interviewed and said, Oh, you have a degree from ITT, you know, right. That doesn't even exist anymore. (laughs) Um, you know, I'm going to hire you over so-and-so I don't, it's, I don't look at that. So I don't, you know, I know there's a, there's certain things that you have to have a degree for, you know, I don't want a doctor that didn't go through the schooling, you know, consulting with me on medical stuff but there you know college i think in certain arenas is not necessary you know if you've got the drive and you've got the you know the gumption to get the job done i think i heard that in one of gary v's keynotes the other day and i can't agree with them more um you know it's there's something's got to change in the way that these kids are getting these huge amount of debt I had one employee that had over a hundred thousand dollars in student loans and even more with his wife. And it's just, it's painful, it's painful to hear. They start out and they can never get ahead. Yeah. Right. right. Yeah. So, and I can't afford to pay them enough to keep them there and pay those student loans when they start. So it's, it's kind of a double edged sword, but um, wow. yeah. So I, you know, it's, it's not for everybody. I, I think there's a lot of STEM stuff. I could talk about education for, for quite a while, but there's a lot of STEM stuff out there. There's a lot of, you know, CNC jobs that you can make a a pretty good, you know, yearly salary right out of high school and they'll even train you to do it. So, but you do have to find your passion and what you want to do. And, you know, to be a veterinarian, you you need to go, you need to go to college and you need to get that, get that degree to do it. So what I'm finding, first I have a question and then I'm going to talk about my findings, but, um, what do you look for when you hire someone? Um, I, you know, it's t- it's kind of tough because the people that I that I have some great employees, you know, great team members. Um, but the people that you look for, you know, that have a drive that you know you want to be kind of a kind of a hybrid employee. You want them to be sales minded, you know, customer service oriented, and um, you know, good with support or the potential of supporting. Those those individuals that have all of those qualities are out running their own business in the same field. So it's kind of a difficult um, situation. So, um, 
you know, it's been really tough to find. I need to hire somebody right now. It's been very difficult to to find the right candidate. Um, so I, I don't really look for the degree. I look for the ability to, and they don't even have to be super tech minded. Just somebody that you know is a good people person. Um, you know, knows how to use Google. <laughs> and, oh, yeah. That's and not afraid to talk to people. That's another challenge that we run into now. And I'm, I can be that way. You know, I'm leave a voicemail for me. I want to hear what you're wanting to call me about, and then I'll return your phone call. <laughs> right, right. I, I want to have all the information I need. Um, and and some people just avoid the phone. They just want to text. They just want to email. And that's fine for some, but we need people that aren't afraid to talk on the phone. That's a whole different, whole different ball yeah. of wax. Yeah. Wow, that's interesting. One of the, the other things that I'm finding is that, and you just kind of touched on it when, you know, you have qualified people, but yet they're going to leave soon because they're going to go do their own venture. But what's what I'm finding very interesting with the people that I'm working with or speaking to is that people are not um, wanting to follow the system anymore, meaning that they don't um, they don't want to go to work for someone um, they're not going to put up with the rules, right. regulations, right. and procedures any longer because they want to do what they want to do. And not from a selfish standpoint, but I feel that where we're moving in the world that we're moving to is more empowering um, of what drives our passion instead of I just need to get a J-O-B, and, which is good. But but there's also we're going to go back to that risk taker word. There's a lot of people who don't want that. There's a lot of people that just want to show up behind the desk and not step out. And so it, that, that's where it's going to be interesting to see how, because I hear people say that they're going to leave their job for 10 years. They're never going to leave. They're going to talk about leaving, but they're never going to leave. They don't have that drive to step out in that fear base, um, which really goes back to trusting. They could. And, and the risk, right? And the risk. And the risk, but they won't do it, which is fine. I mean, there's there's a time and space for everyone. It all works how it's supposed to work. But I do feel a sense of empowerment with people right now where they're they're not happy at work. They're going to work just to get a paycheck. They're not going to work because they want to be there. So um, it's a very interesting place that we're in right now, which I feel – that the colleges are probably going to start having, um, if they're not worried already by listening to people like Gary, they need to start being worried because either that or they need to make it more amicable from a pricing standpoint to even go there. Just keep on raising the prices as they've been doing for the past 10 years. <laughs> but this is right. So this is the thing, you know, when you step back, you know, and you just kind of scale college on a common sense thing, right? So now this is what you have. This is what's happening, right? You have a kid. Who's, you know, they graduate high school, what, 16, 17, 18 years old, whatever. So they're in that age bracket, and you sit them across from you, and you're telling this kid who can't even legally drink yet, okay, son, or daughter, or gal, you're going to make a decision. But before you make this decision, I want to let you know that whatever decision you're going to make, you're going to be locked to that decision. And by that way, that decision you're going to make is a $70,000 decision. So what do you want to do? And so most people who go to these schools, these colleges, they go in the first two years not knowing what they want to do. And they, and they, and they make themselves feel good by saying, well, I'm just going to take the basics, the general classes. <laughs> that was me. Right? Yeah. And so and the college is like, you know what? That's a great idea. Do the general classes because you'll be in for two years and 
you're already going to be in debt because now we got to give you, you know, $40,000 for these, you know, two years, if that, probably more. And then the next two years, then you may want to figure out what you want to do. So now, you know, and then most people change their mind in two years and then, oh, there's different general classes for what you want to do. And most of them are in there, you know, five, you know, five and a half, sometimes six years. They come out with, like you're saying, you know, a $100,000 loan is, you know, yeah, this 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 uh this girl in in you know at our job, you know seventy thousand dollars. She has three jobs, mm-hmm. you know, and it's like, you know, three jobs. Probably and she's, not one of them is what she went to school. No, 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 either. and not none of them is what. No, she did not, and it's, she's paying back a seventy thousand dollar loan. And these, this is the things, right? Colleges don't ever guarantee anything. If there was a guarantee, it would be different. But this is the interesting thing, and I said this to a friend of mine when we were having this conversation, Chris, and I said, you know. They make it sound good when they say, you know, 95% success rate of being, you know, graduating. Replacement rate. Rep- replacement right, yeah. rate. But now when you look at the science behind what they're saying is that, so you start out with 10, right? But most 10 don't ever finish, right? And so now out of those 10 people, you know, you'll get seven of them will drop off and you'll only have three. And when you say it's a 90% placement, all you're really doing is placing two out of three. But they don't tell you that. So when you have 10 people, which really saying only two of you will be placed. But they say 90% and everyone thinks, well, 90%, that means nine of us are going to be placed. And that's not the case because nine, you know, because all, all of them don't go through to the thing. And that's just a, a, a psychological, you know, mind thing that they do to people. Yeah, I mean, I read this and I'm like, that makes you so know much what? sense. It's, you're, that's interesting because that's what the college I went to said. They said, look around right now. And, and they played it off that it was the, the um, um, I'm not saying that they were manipulating, but it's interesting that we're having this conversation. Well, it is. They played it that um, the school is so, the program is so difficult. People don't finish um, because it's too challenging. And so, so then that's like, I'm going to finish. I'm going to finish. I'm going to finish. But they said, look around because, you know, 90% of you, I don't remember the number, 80% of you will not be here. You will not see these people in your graduating class. And it was true. I mean, it was a hundred percent true. A lot of people didn't finish. Um, I had a job before I graduated. There was that placement, right? <laughs> um, so, and I had a very good job, you know, and the job, you know, but that also goes back to not the education. It goes back to the person who's who's driving it, which goes back to what we talk about, Gary. You know, it's you you can't not participate in this. You you either are going to go in 150 percent or you're not going to go in. And you as a business owner, you see that, I'm sure, with employees. I know that the conversation I'll have with my kids about further education or higher education will be a lot different than it was with my dad and myself. <laughs> right. I could, I could imagine, yeah. like, how would you steer it's that? Like, I, I think I would, you know, it, it's going to, they're pretty young, so it's going to be interesting to see. My oldest daughter, she's she's one that won't have an issue figuring out what she wants to do, but my son might be different, you know. I, who knows what's going to happen in the next 12 years. Um, but it, it'll be interesting. I, I wouldn't force them to go to college right away you know i'm not gonna tell them they need to get a government job with a pension and you know <laughs> i want to say to my dad how's that working out for you quite a bit but uh <laughs> i won't go into it anymore because he'll probably listen to this but, <laughs> uh, but it, it'll be interesting to see how how i kind of guide him you know just you know what his interests and skills are and you know my daughter seems to have the entrepreneurial spirit already she's 
she's making these rice bags and selling them out like crazy. She can't keep up with the orders that she's sewing on her sewing machine. And that's an entrepreneur right there. And you know, dad, we have to go to Joanne's. I need some more fabric. Dad, we have to go to Sam's. I need some more rice for these bags. I have to get them done, (laughs) you know? So it'll be, I'm, I'm really enjoying seeing where their personalities go and their, and how old is she? uh, She's 12. Wow. That's awesome. So it's kind of scary at the same time too, because I know how busy I've made myself in the past with, you know, trying to get a business going, and I don't want to, I don't want to see that get too out of, you know, I can't think of the term I'm looking for, but too out of whack, I guess. Right, but I mean, is that something that you would want to shift within yourself as far as you know where you're at now? And uh, I think I've slowed down a bit. You know, I'm, I've got a couple of ideas and. You know, I'm not just jumping right on them, like opening a shop tomorrow. You know, I'm I'm being more thoughtful and in my risks that I take, I guess. And, you know, planning out the software before I roll it out and, you know, afraid to ask opinions on certain things because I have some pretty good ideas. I'm afraid that somebody might grab and run with. It's happened before. But um, I think I'm, you know, kind of slowing down, eliminating a few things off my plate to make room for some more long-term you know, goals and ideas that I have. So uh, I would try to, I would try to steer my kids in that direction. You know, don't, don't bite off more than you can chew at once. It, it can, you know, do everything in moderation and still be a risk taker and still be an entrepreneur. So I'm still figuring that out. <laughs>